Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, is there a deal to be reached on securing the southern border? And what about the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas that Democrats call a sham and a political stunt? Congressman Bob Latta joins us to discuss. Also this morning, the CDC is alerting healthcare providers about a potential measles outbreak. What you need to know about the risk and how to keep your family safe. And a little time outdoors is always a good thing any time of the year. We have details on February events and activities with the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Some of the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, kind of a uh, random collection of uh, stories that kind of caught my eye. I'm perusing the uh, newswire this morning. Everybody getting into uh, the whole Super Bowl hype thing now. Even American Airlines is hopping on board the uh, the annual you know, Super Bowl, super hype uh this couple of weeks between the conference championship games and the uh, and the big title game, American Airlines, as they do every year, uh, adding flights. All of the airlines do this. They add flights from the cities uh, where the the final teams are to the host city for the Super Bowl. In this case, American adding flights from Kansas City to Las Vegas, and they have included nods to. Two of the biggest stars of the game, at least from a KC standpoint, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Two flights bound for Vegas from the home of the AFC champions will bear the flight number 1989. American flight number 1989. That, of course, a reference to Taylor Swift's uh, the, the name of one of her most popular albums. And also the year she was born, incidentally. I didn't know that, but... Uh, anyway, 1989, uh, one of her uh, big albums, and so they have named a flight <laughs> from KC to Las Vegas. Uh, after the return flight to Kansas City, scheduled for the day after the big game, is listed as Flight 87, which is Travis Kelsey's jersey number. Um, United Airlines also getting in on the fun uh, between the NFL's super couple naming one of its flights 2287, which is a reference to Taylor Swift's song 22 and Kelsey's jersey number. So uh, both uh, American and United getting in on the uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift fun. So are we are we tired of it yet? <laughs> anyway, what else is going on in the world today? Um... Aside from the Super Bowl, the other big thing coming up right around the corner now is, of course, Valentine's Day. And a New Jersey animal shelter is now accepting donations to name a feral cat after your ex and then have them spray, uh, spayed or neutered. <laughs> now, every year, uh, there are unique Anti-Valentine uh, anti promotions. Um, the San Antonio Zoo's Name a Cockroach program uh, was maybe one of the uh, first uh, and an and ongoing program that is very popular 
You name a cockroach after your ex, have it fed to the uh, reptiles. The Humane Society in Kentucky is offering to write your ex's name in kitty litter. <laughs> the cats at the shelter. But this one is is uh, is kind of cu- cute. The uh, Homeward Bound Pet Adoption Center in New Jersey uh, is promoting their trap neuter return program for feral cats. They call it a vital component of controlling the feral cat population as it breaks the breeding cycle and stops the birth of unwanted cats in the community. Uh, so they've decided to capitalize that and raise capitalize on that and, and raise a little money. If you want to have your ex's namesake fixed, you can donate $50 to the shelter. They'll name a feral cat after your ex and then have the cat neutered. <laughs> I like it. I think that's... So anyway, that is uh, the Homeward Bound Pet Adoption Center in New Jersey. I'm sure that you can find them online if you are so inclined. Uh, This is big news. I don't know if you heard about this uh, yesterday. This was actually really cool. It's one of the world's most enduring mysteries for nearly 90 years. People have wondered what happened to Amelia Earhart, the pioneering aviatrix who uh, disappeared while attempting to become the first woman to fly around the world. Plane disappeared. Nobody ever heard from her again. Well, now a pilot and an explorer says he has found Amelia Earhart's long lost plane. The CEO of Deep Sea Vision, Tony Romeo or uh, Romeo, Romeo, Romeo. It's spelled like Romeo, but I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, he's the CEO of Deep Sea Vision, um, and he has for years been trying to solve the mystery. Uh, Sold some commercial real estate that he had in his portfolio to fund his deep sea exploration of the Pacific Ocean last year. He's a former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer. And it says he used sonar technology to inspect the ocean floor in the general area that Amelia Earhart is suspected to have crashed back in 1937. His team reviewed the data in December, and they say they have found a shocking discovery, a blurry, plane-like shape uh, on the ocean floor about halfway between Australia and Hawaii, Uh, which would be in the general path of Amelia Earhart's flight when she disappeared. He believes it is her long-lost plane, but they will have to do further exploration to to sort it out and, and figure out whether it actually is or not. But it appears to be, I've seen the photos, it does appear to be a plane, on the ocean floor, and um, of course, it's it's very fuzzy because it's sonar, and it's I don't know how deep uh, in the ocean this is, and it's been down there for uh, like eighty-seven years, something like that. So uh, obviously, uh, they can't tell just from the fuzzy sonar pictures, but it is quite possibly the solution to the ages-old mystery of what happened to Amelia Earhart. She and her navigator, Fred Noonan, um, disappeared in 1937 trying to fly 
uh, around the world. And that was her problem. That was Amelia Earhart's problem. She had a man as a navigator. <laughs> because, you know, men will never stop for directions. So it's no, no wonder they got lost. That's... Anyway. Uh, but really cool. Really cool story. Um, big medical news. This I thought was kind of interesting. A new study finds that multivitamins can help slow cognitive decline associated with aging. A recent study led by researchers at Mass General Brigham revealed that taking a multivitamin could potentially slow cognitive decline associated with aging by up to two years. The study focused on individuals age 60 up um, and used the multivitamin Centrum Silver as... But I, I don't know if it would have to be that particular multivitamin. That's just the one that they used. Um, but the research indicates those who took the multivitamin experienced a slower cognitive decline compared to the control group who took a placebo. The research part of a larger study which suggests that daily multivitamin consumption for up to three years may result in a two-year delay in cognitive aging. So take a multivitamin to prevent uh, cognitive decline, or you can simply learn to play a musical instrument. Uh, separate research conducted by Exeter University a study analyzed data from over 1,000 adults age 40 and up found that playing the piano was particularly linked to enhanced brain health. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the piano. That's one of the, I guess that was the, had the strongest correlation to brain health, playing the piano, but any musical instrument or even participating in a choir is associated with improved memory and thinking skills in older individuals. The research assessed executive function, which includes processes like planning, focusing, remembering, and multitasking, and found that those who played instruments or sang in a choir uh, scored higher on the uh, memory tests. Uh, all connected to better brain health, with researchers suggesting that social aspects of group participation may be one of the things that contributes to those cognitive benefits. So, take a vitamin and learn to play an instrument, and you'll live forever. That's what I hear is... So, make of that what you will. Kind of interesting. And how about this story, among the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day... This is a crazy story out of Georgia, the Eastern European country, not the state. Um, a pair of identical twins named Amy and Anyo, who were separated and sold as babies. You heard that right. They were sold. They were uh, apparently these uh, these girls were in 2002 stolen from their mother and sold on an illegal child adoption market uh, that was linked to organized crime. Now, again, this is in Eastern Europe in the nation of Georgia. And um, apparently child adoption trafficking back in the early aughts uh, was a big organized crime syndicate. Uh, they have since broken up the illegal child adoption trafficking 
uh, industry in that nation. They've cleaned it up. But at the time, uh, it was running rampant. And Amy and Anyo were uh, twin girls who fell victim to this. Um, but according to a report in the British newspaper, The Telegraph, Amy identified her sister on the TV show Georgia's Got Talent. You know, they have this in every country. They have America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. They have Georgia's Got Talent. Um, when she was 12, she saw this uh, other person on the TV show and uh, identified her as her sister. Anyo, um, who was on the show, became suspicious after seeing a TikTok video of Amy. They reconnected through Facebook and they discovered that they had indeed been the victims of an underground Georgian child trafficking ring. Their adoptive parents, unaware of the illegality of what had happened when they adopted the girls, um, were just blown away by this. Uh, and now they have reunited uh, because of <laughs> the TV show and uh, because of social media. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that a crazy story? I just, I mean, talk about uh, all of the uh, negative things associated with social media and all of that. But uh, in this case, that's just absolutely crazy. It's a story with a happy ending, but a wild way of getting there. I just thought that was a crazy story. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. A chance of rain or snow showers today with a high in the mid-30s. Cloudy tonight, uh, low in the 30s. The new first responder training facility in Finley is nearing completion. It's called the STRICT Center, which stands for Simulated Tactical Response and Incident Command Training, and it's located behind Fire Station 4 on County Road 236. A cool aspect of the STRICT Center is that we can get multiple agencies to train at the same time because that was something that we identified early where there wasn't a whole lot of training, cross-training going on between fire, law enforcement, and EMS. Finley Fire Chief Josh Eberly says the community has been extremely supportive of the project and more than half of the cost of the facility is being covered through donations and grants. Get more on our website. The Finley-Hancock County Public Library has been undergoing some changes to freshen things up. Library Director Sarah Clevidence. I think it'll be very exciting. You'll walk in. It won't be so crowded and congested. The staff will be able to see you clearly and greet you. You'll see this welcome window. You'll see some nice color on the walls. One of the changes that was recently completed is a welcome window welcoming people to the library and all the languages spoken in Finley. Get more on our website. A settlement has been reached in a case in which a parent sued the Avon Lake Board of Education in Northeast Ohio, alleging it violated Ohio's Open Meetings Act. Aaron Myers filed the suit in November, and according to a document detailing the settlement on the district's website, the board will pay close to $11,000 in legal fees to Myers' attorney and pay court costs. The board, the district superintendent, and treasurer will also complete training on open government, maintain detailed meeting notes, and hold all meetings in Avon Lake. ONN's Danielle Wiggins reporting. The Tiffin Police Department is now accepting applications for its annual Citizens Police Academy. The academy is for area citizens interested in learning more about how their police department operates and the policing challenges the community faces. 
Get more details in the story on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. And now our cover story this morning, going to talk about the hot button topic that's been making headlines over the past couple of weeks. Is there a deal to be reached on securing the southern border? And what about the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas? Democrats call it a sham and a political stunt. Representative Bob Latta is with us on the line this morning. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate we, it. Before we get to uh, this uh, topic of the uh, southern border, I want to uh, ask you about this because earlier this month you participated in the uh, annual March for Life event in Washington, D.C. Uh, obviously, this is an event that has taken on something of a different tenor in the post-Roe po- uh, post era, and it was the first March for Life to be held since Ohio became the latest state to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. What is the message uh, in balancing the moral duty to protect life with the will of the voters to protect the legality of reproductive care? Well, you know, first and foremost, when you look at uh, what happened with the Roe versus Wade decision in 1973, We've had over 63 million abortions here in the United States. 63 million, if you can, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that number. And so, you know, when you looked at the March for Life, it was just uh, a week and a half ago here in Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you had uh, tens of thousands of people from across the country here to support life. And so, you know, it's just like looking at the legislation that I've worked on and working on right now. It's the Save Moms and Babies Act. It's, uh, you know, where the Federal uh, Drug Drug Administration, FDA, is pushing now to say that uh, getting abortion drugs online without actually seeing a doctor and going through all the, you know, the tests you really need to know where you are, especially in your stage in your pregnancy, to have these things sent to people my legislation says that, look, the FDA should not approve, dispense, or change the labeling on these drugs because more women end up in the emergency room because of this than anything, any other uh, type of abortion that they're looking at. So, you know, we're, we're, you know and then in Ohio, uh, you know, the voters have, uh, were, uh, were at the polls and they voted uh, as they did in November. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the different things that, you know, the questions, you know, does that mean that as we look at legislation uh, across the country, and especially here in Washington, say that, in, you know, what happens if a baby's born alive? You had, a, you had a Democrat governor who was a doctor a few years back saying, well, well, we'll think about it. Well, you haven't got time to think in situations like that. You should treat that baby as any other baby. And then the, uh, you know, the other situation that I think about when I was in the Ohio legislature chairing the Senate Judiciary Committee what about partial birth abortion? You know, we banned that in the state of Ohio, and is, is that legal now? So, you know, all these ramifications are going to have to come up, uh, and so, you know, and, and a lot of it's going to be right before the Ohio Supreme Court with the laws that are on the books right now in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, border issue that has been making so many headlines, uh, especially over the past couple of weeks or a week or so, uh, as it has come out that there may be a deal to be had on securing the southern border with the White House. 
Now, there are a lot of details that we don't know. You may know more about these negotiations uh, that, than we do. But do you believe that there is a deal that can be secured? Well, you know, first, the, the president has been totally uh, absent, and his secretary of Homeland Security is totally absent when it comes to securing our border. And, you know, when you look at the polling out there, uh, the immigration crisis has become probably the number one talking point, even above the economy, mm-hmm. is what people are seeing. And uh, over, you know, there have been negotiations going on over in the Senate. Uh, I know that Jim Langford, uh, who uh, used to serve here in the House, uh, he's from Oklahoma, he's been uh, uh, negotiating, negotiating on it, but... Mm-hmm. You know, we gotta we gotta see the details because the house hasn't even been involved in this. Right. So you know they're 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 working on something, but I do know this that uh, you know by the end of uh, President Biden's term of office at the end of this year, that uh, he will have let in about the population of the state of Ohio over 11 million, and uh, you know when all of a sudden these sanctuary cities always are saying that oh they're sanctuary cities they're welcoming they're all screaming they don't want anybody else. And when I was in I was my fourth trip to the border uh, in early January, and I wish I could tell people that the situation has gotten better, it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think about over 302,000 people crossing the border illegally, and again, these are people coming not just from Central America. These are over 130 countries. And so we have no idea if some of these people are terrorists that are coming across our border. We know that as the Border Patrol calls them gotaways, uh, you know, when the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of those people that get in, plus the over 13, about over 13 tons of fentanyl that can kill every American many times over, has entered, that, that's what they were able to interdict. We don't even know what got in. And, yeah. then we, and since this disaster has started, we have 100,000 unaccompanied minors. We don't even know where they are in this country. Let, and we do know this, that women are being raped as, as they come up. Mm-hmm. We know that the uh, cartels put a lot of women into prostitution for years. And then they also have kids working in, you know, working in areas that they shouldn't be working in. And the cartels say, but look, if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to kill your families back home. And they're making $32 million a week just in the Dell real sector alone. Yeah. Uh, let me ask the question a little bit different, phrase this a little bit differently, yeah. because as you point out, uh, this negotiation is all right now going on in the Senate. So uh, it, you're a bit removed from this. Let me phrase it this way. Is it possible in your mind for uh, for a deal to be made that you can support? I mean, setting aside what may or may not be going on right. in terms of those negotiations, because there has been some discussion. Uh, former President Trump has uh, has encouraged uh, Republicans not to support any deal made with the White House. Uh, some uh, have accused him of, of uh, trying to kill that deal for political uh, reasons, being that it is an election year. Is the idea, I mean, it is, is there, is it possible to have a deal that you could, in theory, support? Well, you know, the House, and that's the House Republicans led it, that we passed H.R. 2 uh, last year. And, you know, really, it's just enforcing what we already are supposed to be doing in this country. You know, saying, look, the remain in Mexico, uh, the parole. Uh, making sure that uh, we, we fix asylum. And there's another big part of this. 
a wall. And this is what the Border Patrol has been advocating for years. They told us the first trip I was there, let them put up what they called barriers, and they'd stop 95% of the traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, if some of these things aren't included, President Biden can Just, do all this today. Yeah. But uh, he refuses to do it. That's the other thing. He's got the ability. He's the one that caused it. And so he can just reverse it himself. But, uh, you know, the problem with the, with the White House and with their, with their, you know, what is he doing? Well, then he's got to admit he's got a problem and he caused it. And so that's why the White House has been, you know, pretty much non-existent in this. And when you have the Secretary of Homeland Security, you know, announcing that 85% of the people are released in the country, that's, uh, I mean, that's so unacceptable that, uh, you know, we, we don't have trees with a lot of countries that when they do these biometrics on people, that's the fingerprinting and the facial recognition. If we don't have any uh, treaty with a country, then it's the person sitting across from that desk that has to make a decision, is this person going to harm us as they come in or not? Yeah. And uh, the, the, just one other quick point, that when you look at what's happening with our Border Patrol when they're offline, 242 miles in Del Rio sector, only able to just just a minute area that they were out patrolling. At the same time, our border patrol agents on the northern border, that also with our offices in Ohio, are taken offline to do online paperwork. Mm-hmm. So they're offline. This is, I mean, as the sheriff down in Texas said, told us. We're past a crisis. We're in a catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, you bring up uh, Secretary Mayorkas uh, and the job that he is doing or not doing uh, with respect to the uh, border. And that brings up the topic. And this is uh, directly related to House activities uh, there, the uh, impeachment of the Homeland Security Secretary. Is it appropriate to uh, call for the impeachment of a cabinet-level secretary simply because he's not good at doing his job? Well, I think so, because when you think of, uh, we had 73,000 people die in the United States last year from fentanyl poisoning. This is the chemicals that are coming in from communist China through Mexico, and then they're coming in the United States killing Americans. And if you're not doing your job, and, and again, all he has to do is just listen to the people on the ground, and that's what we do when we're down there. We talk to the Border Patrol. We talk to the top people in Border Patrol, and I tell you, it's amazing to listen to these people because you think, man, they must not value their jobs the way they talk because they're, saying, they're just saying exactly what's going on down there and what's going on here in Washington. It's the, it, this all falls right to the secretary, and he's, he's been totally absent, and it's unbelievable that a guy won't do his job, or even listen to his employees, they're on the front lines. It sounds as though you have uh, already decided that if this comes to a vote, that you would be a vote to impeach uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Is that the case? Well, you know, and when they bring forward the, and it will happen, that they'll bring forward all of the impeachment papers Mm -hmm. and going through everything. But, you know, I can say this. I've been down there four times. I've seen it. It's like it's like, and it's amazing that people in Washington, from the president, the vice president, and the secretary, will not will not go down there and really be on the front line to see what's going on. They only need to be down there at twelve o'clock at night on the border, on the river, watching our border patrol work and what they have to do, or the Texas State Police, or the Texas Rangers, the Texas National Guard. They're they're totally overwhelmed, and when you they have hundreds of uh, people coming over at one time. 
and they know exactly what's happening. When that when those people all come across at one time, that means someplace the cartels are bringing in people that are paying thirty five, fifty thousand dollars to get into this country, and who knows what they want to do when they get here. Mm-hmm. And then also all of these drugs that are going to kill Americans. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely a problem that does uh, need to be addressed of uh, critical uh, nature. And uh, we will continue to follow it, but we will leave it there for now. Again, Congressman Bob Latta, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day. So now some health news this morning. This was the story... On the Newswire yesterday, the CDC is warning healthcare providers across the U.S. to be on the alert for cases of the measles. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there have been 23 confirmed cases of measles dating back to the 1st of December. And the federal health agency says there is a growing global threat as the uptick in cases in this country reflects a rise in infections globally. Joining us this morning to talk about what you need to know uh, about the risk and how to keep your family safe is Dr. Grace Eberly. She is a pediatrician at Blanchard Valley Health System's Kaufman Health Center. Dr. Eberly, thanks very much for taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Let me start with the uh, the obvious question. The first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this story yesterday, is this a direct result of the anti-vax movement in recent years? Is what we are seeing a cause and effect of people uh, being hesitant to vaccinate their kids and vaccinate themselves? Absolutely. I mean, it couldn't be more clear if you look at the history of, you know, measles and the history of the measles vaccine in this country. You know, before they developed the vaccine, um, you know, 30 plus years ago, there were three, four million cases of measles a year, you know, anywhere from 400 to 500 deaths a year. When they developed the vaccine in 1963, you know, it took a couple of decades, but over time, they actually eradicated measles. Um, in the year 2000, there was not a single case of measles in the United States for 12 months, um, which is pretty amazing and remarkable. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, since that time, the you know the rates of immunization have dropped pretty significantly because of some of those um, you know movements to uh, decline you know immunizations, mm-hmm. and because of that, we've seen. Um, you know, over the last decade or so, these outbreaks pop up from time to time, um, and they seem to mostly take hold in communities where the vaccination rates are lower. So, uh, and and then I, I guess this kind of goes without saying. I mean, we just went through a pandemic where we saw uh, a handful of cases explode into thousands, even hundreds of thousands of cases. Right. But when you hear that uh, that alarm being sounded over less than two dozen cases nationally, it does seem a a bit alarmist. It does, except when you consider the transmission rate. So measles is one of the most, um, you know, infectious, you know, viral illnesses in children that we have. It has about a 90% um, transmission rate. And so that means if there were, you know, if you were in a room with one person who had the measles and there were 10 other people in there um, who were not vaccinated or not protected against the measles, you would actually expect about nine out of 10 of them um, uh, to develop the measles. The good news is that the MMR vaccine, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, um, is one of the most effective vaccines we have and that just one dose of it prevents about 92, 93 percent 
of um, infections. And so, you know, yes, it may seem like it's a very small number of cases currently. However, in these pockets where we have, you know, large populations of unvaccinated children, it really can, you know, spread like wildfire. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, local impact. Have you seen cases uh, locally and how concerned are you uh, about this spreading in our community? So up to this point, we have not seen any cases locally here in Hancock County, which is great. You know, I think Currently, as it stands, the risk of that happening is fairly low. Um, we know from studying different populations that the, the rate of um, vaccination we need in the community is about 91 or 92 percent um, to sort of protect, uh, you know, the population with herd immunity. Mm-hmm. That's about where we are. Those numbers have been, you know, dropping over the last couple of years. And so we're going to be at risk for that kind of thing um, happening from time to time in the future. But I think currently where we stand in Hancock County, we're in a pretty good position Um, right now. What I will say is, you know, just um, a year and a half ago in Columbus um, in the fall of 2022, there was a large measles um, outbreak uh, there. I was actually practicing in Columbus at that time and um, did take care of patients with the measles. So this is something I've seen. This is something that, you know, is real. Um, And I had parents in the hospital, you know, asking me if it was too late to give the vaccine. Yeah. So so I just, you know, want parents to to think about that that an ounce of prevention is, you know, worth worth a pound of cure. No question, especially as you mentioned, this is one of the uh, most vetted vaccines to a certain extent. Yep. I mean, you can ex- you can understand some of the apprehension with respect to the COVID vaccine. It's new, it's something that we haven't dealt with before and a lot of questions surrounding this. So so to a certain extent, you can understand the hesitancy uh, with that. But with something like the MMR uh, vaccine that's been around for decades and has been proven safe and effective, uh, that really is a, a whole different animal. Exactly. And, and you know, um, I am always, as a pediatrician, happy to have that conversation with, with parents who are concerned about some of the risks. You know, unfortunately, nothing in life comes without risk. And so there are risks and benefits. We have to always, you know, choose between mm-hmm. um, in our lives. And, you know, I would say getting the MMR vaccine is probably safer than riding in a car to your job or riding in a car to school. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you think about the fact that we give millions of these vaccines every day um, and and the chance of any sort of severe complication is just exceedingly, exceedingly low. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the risk, even uh, for vaccinated uh, people, and you were talking about the risk in, in our own community is relatively low, uh, but it is never zero. So given right. the fact that this is something that just a few years ago was completely eradicated, that you didn't yep. see at all, it is a fair bet that a good number of people uh, don't know what to expect when it comes to the measles. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the symptoms? What would we be watching for uh, with respect to cases of the measles? Absolutely. Um, And you're exactly right that these are, you know, this is something that a lot of people, um, thankfully, have not seen in their lifetime. Yeah. Ironically, thanks to the vaccine. But, you know, as we have these breakthrough cases, you know, it is important to be watching out for, you know, signs and symptoms. So, um, 
unfortunately, the sort of initial symptoms of measles can look like just about any other viral illness. So fever, cough, congestion, you know, certainly there's lots of that going around this time of year. Mm -hmm. Um, The really distinctive feature of measles is that usually, you know, three, four days after those symptoms um, has begun, you develop a really characteristic rash, Um, usually starts on the head and then moves down, um, sort of uh, characterized by these tiny red spots. and, and that's sort of the hallmark defining feature of measles. But um, again, it takes some time for that to develop. And actually, you're considered to be infectious about four days before that rash develops and four days after. So you can have quite a bit of spread um, before anyone may be realizing that, oh, gosh, this could be yeah. could be measles. Well, that was going to be my next question is uh, what is the uh, treatment? What should uh, people do to manage this or to uh, isolate it? And I guess, uh, like many other things, by the time you know that it's measles, it could have uh, already spread. So it goes back to that old adage of if you're not feeling well, stay home from work, keep the kids home from school, that kind of thing. Absolutely. That is, I mean, that is the the mantra of public health. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, certainly something, again, that we learned during the uh, pandemic and how uh, effective uh, that can be at preventing the spread uh, of disease. Again, uh, Dr. Grace Eberly is a pediatrician at the Kaufman Health Center talking about the CDC's warning about uh, an outbreak of measles cases in the country. Fortunately, to this point, it is very small and probably not a huge risk for us locally, but as we said, the risk is never zero, so it's very important to be cognizant of this and get our kids vaccinated if they haven't been already. Dr. Eberly, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Here is the story of a lady by the name of Janet Mello. She is under investigation for defrauding the U.S. military out of $100 million. But she will still retire with full benefits. <laughs> this, is the, uh, this is the story. Ms. Mello was a civilian employee at uh, Joint Base San Antonio Fort Sam Houston. For the U.S. Army, she was a civilian contractor. She worked as a financial program manager, and uh, as uh, in her role in in that job, uh, she made one hundred thirty thousand dollars annually, but allegedly purchased thirty homes, cars, and jewelry with the ill-gotten funds, about a hundred million dollars. That, uh, that she stole. The scheme uh, reportedly involved creating a bogus business and using money she received from the Army for personal gain, uh, routing uh, this, uh, this funding from the military into her own personal shell company. Um, Ms. Mello, so she is under investigation. She faces a maximum sentence, if convicted of the fraud, of 142 years in jail. But her lawyer says that the accusations are not related to her job and that she earned her retirement benefits and deserves to keep them. (laughs) They seem very related to her job. It just...
it seems like this scheme is very related. It would be very difficult to pull this scheme off if she did not have that job. But uh, her lawyer says the accusations are not job-related, and she earned her retirement benefits. And apparently, in their infinite wisdom, the government agrees, and she will be allowed to retire <laughs> with full benefits. Even if convicted, apparently. Get <laughs> her full benefits. That's nice. Elsewhere in the broken news, a story out of Florida. There always has to be a story out of Florida. And uh, this one from the Tampa Bay area where residents apparently cannot uh, cannot get to sleep. Their sleep is being interrupted uh, because of some strange noise that is keeping them up at night. And uh, these residents in Tampa are raising money to pay for a study to figure out exactly what this noise is and where it's coming from. So far, the best guess is that mating fish might be causing the ruckus. <laughs> uh, there is a scientist by the name of uh, James Lucasio uh, uh, who has pledged to investigate the bay by installing underwater microphones. He suspects that the black drum fish which mate at night during the winter months, are making noise by flexing their muscles. <laughs> because even fish need to impress the ladies. <laughs> They're causing this ruckus, and people can't sleep. They uh, live by the bay. Uh, residents are raising $2,500 to pay for the research to get to the bottom of the, of the mess. Uh, all of these people are surprised uh, because uh, it is not well known, uh, the mating habits of these fish, according to Mr. Lucasio. Uh, he writes about the fish's mating habits and uh, actually published a research paper on this back in uh, 2008. And now he's <laughs> they're raising funds for him to conduct the research, figure out if that's what's keeping everybody up at night. <laughs> mating fish. Uh, causing insomnia there in Tampa Bay. Uh, this is a... I saw this video um, yesterday, and it is absolutely crazy. It happened in downtown Los Angeles. Ali Zacharias uh, was eating lunch downtown when someone came up and stole her French bulldog named Onyx. Um, the, the dog was taken while she was eating lunch a downtown Los Angeles uh, restaurant. At first, she said, I thought it was just a misunderstanding. Somebody grabbed the leash to her, her dog. Hey, that's not your dog. But, uh, and she was like, excuse me, that's that's my dog. That's not your dog. But the guy grabbed the, the dog and ran off. Uh, Allie gave chase. And actually, the, situ the situation escalated as the person who took her dog climbed into a car and Ms. Zacharias jumped onto the hood of the vehicle. Video footage shows her clinging to the hood of the video, video uh, of the vehicle while it's driving down the street to escape. She's on the hood of the vehicle as it's as the uh, thief is driving off. Uh, eventually, um, Ms. Zacharias was thrown off of the vehicle. She's going to be okay, but the dog is still missing. It is a crazy video. There's this car speeding down the road, downtown Los Angeles. 
This woman hanging on the on the hood trying to save her dog. Here's hoping that everything ends well. It is uh case is still not resolved. Wild. If you see haven't seen the video, go look that up. It is crazy. Um, couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. Dateline Greensburg, Pennsylvania, where a man is facing charges after he allegedly threw a brick, threw a brick at a nine-year-old boy. Donald Megan Jr. threw the boy, uh, threw the brick at the boy who was in the backyard of his home. Um... Mr. Megan faces several charges, including aggravated assault and child endangerment. Police say that uh, Mr. Megan appeared to be intoxicated at the time of the incident. Well, I would hope so. I would hope that would not be something you would do when you were sober. You know what I mean? Throw a brick at a child. Should throw the book at him. How about this story? (laughs) Shelby County, Tennessee is in what the Memphis area, I believe where a judge has filed an order of protection against her brother, who is also a judge. Uh, Paula Scahan reportedly filed the order against former judge Gerald Scahan after she claims he has been sending her threatening text messages. She says he is also threatening other family members and wants him to have no contact with her and no access to firearms, a hearing on the order is scheduled for later this week. He's a former judge. You would think he would know better. Follow on the follow up on that uh, story. There. All kinds of weird. And how about this from the international file? The broken news. Decide for yourself if you think this is a prank that went a little bit too far. A man in Colombia. A man in Colombia staged a fake carjacking in order to propose to his girlfriend. Uh, This is a post on social media which shows a pedestrian and a motorcycle blocking a car and then telling the occupants to get out. The terrified couple exits the car and the woman appears to be held at gunpoint. And that's when the thieves then force the man to get down on his knees. And that's when he pulls out a ring. The so-called carjackers then begin to applaud. (laughs) And that seems a little extreme, especially in a nation like Colombia, where you can see something like that happening. Uh, But it was all just a a prank. The uh, would-be bride at first was outraged, but eventually said yes. Thank goodness, because that could have ended very badly. Uh, one commenter on social media is that you have to love someone wholeheartedly to be with them in health and sickness and kidnappings and robberies. You know what I mean? That is a, a good point. That's, you know, it's true love. It survives. That turns out it was all a prank. Ooh, man. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the uh, headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. 
Did you know more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection? AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping Americans safe in dangerous times. This is News Director Matt Demchek. AM 1330 WFIN is here to serve you, and we take seriously our commitment to our listeners. We would love to hear what you value most about AM radio. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Super Bowl 58 is uh, coming up Sunday, February 11th. So uh, just a little under two weeks from now in Las Vegas, it is the biggest sports party of the year, one of the biggest events of the year for many, many people. What is it about the Super Bowl experience, the big game experience that you look most forward to. According to a new survey, 55% of Americans can't wait for the halftime show. 55% say the halftime show that they is their favorite part. 45% are excited for the commercials, which are always a big part of the, the big game. And only 38%, only 38% are actually interested in in what's happening on the field, the game itself <laughs> is like the least important part of the whole Super Bowl uh, game day experience is the game itself. Hosts, it says here, the survey goes on to say hosts will spend eight days on average planning their Super Bowl, Super Bowl party. <laughs> so if you're hosting, you're probably already starting to plan uh, right now. And uh, this is a big time of the year. Even bigger than than Black Friday, Christmas time for buying new electronics like TVs. Thirty two percent have bought a TV ahead of the big game in years past. Forty six percent have purchased a new sofa, um, and fifty seven percent have purchased a cooking appliance in preparation for the big game. We go all out. For this Now, it should be pointed out that this survey was con- uh, commissioned by Charbroil, the grill company, who say that, hey, buying a new grill for the big game would be an idea to do something a little bit different. As I mentioned earlier, little time outdoors is always a good thing any time of the year, especially right about now. Uh, you've seen that that meme online where December is a magical wonderland of lights, <laughs> and then it is, yeah. January, February, March are just cold, dark weeks of suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's we, winter, and so it depends who you're talking. I mean, if we, it's nice. I mean, I know I'm different so when you than have- the average person. I mean, I was outside with my dogs this morning, so like it's cold, but it's not like cold. I mean, it's it's, it's not it, frigid. We are Northwest it's, Ohio people. Yeah, it's going to be 30s in January. It shouldn't be 50 like this coming up bad. this week. This isn't bad. No, but you do need that deep freeze we had a couple weeks ago. Nature needs that mm-hmm. cold. So right. yeah, do I want all of January sub-teen temperatures? No, but what we had was good. Um, I don't like the... I don't need springtime and winter, and then I don't want winter and spring. Like just, just stay <laughs> right. winter while it's winter. Right. Um, yep. But the the point being that when we do get relatively decent days, yes. and we're going to get some sunshine yes. here in the next few days, it is great 
thing to get out and enjoy the outdoors and kind of refresh, you know. It is. And even it was kind of funny. You know, it was really cold when it was like 30 degrees and it's like, oh, this is balmy outside because (laughs) it had been negative with the wind chill. Right. So it's just it's relative Mm -hmm. of, of what it is. So, yes, I mean. It's always getting out now. If you're out now in the parks, again, your your some of your trails might have a little water with mm-hmm. the rain and everything, a little right. squishy and muddy. So just you know, be aware of that when you're when you're going out. But everything's still. Open. But there's no there's no heat. There's no mosquitoes. Right. Like it's, it's right. Don't time. think of it the negative. Like you can. It's think not of all be, of the positives. It's not going to be busy. And that's very true as well. Um, although now now that we're talking about it, maybe yeah. it'll be busier. <laughs> Um, Everyone will be in the parks today. The one thing that we have not uh, had, uh, we were talking a little bit before we went on the air. Michelle Rumschlag, by the way, with us from the uh, Hancock (laughs) Park District. Um, The one thing we were talking about we haven't had, even with the cold, is a lot of snow. So we haven't had a chance to get Raccoon Run open and do the cross-country skiing and all of that. Right, not yet. So we're still open through February, technically. So we still have um, all these weekends coming up. Um, right. So I had a little hope when we had that cold because mm-hmm. the ground has to be cold to hold the snow. Right. And so when that hit, even though we didn't, you know, they were calling for snow and we got a couple inches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was enough to build on. And then it got warm and all yeah. the rain came and all that. Yeah. Um, last it's been week. a while since we've really had a good solid winter where we've got a, a good base and a lot of snow that we can do the right. uh, cross country. It, it has. Yeah. And but the last couple of years when we haven't opened have been February. So there's still hope for people that, that want to get out. Um, and then it's, you know, it's all of Riverbend. So be- Riverbend has some open areas. It has, of course, the trails. And so it's got to be good snow conditions out there because we don't want you to go and then, like, you're hitting grass. We don't want to ruin the equipment and stuff. So right. it takes, yes, we just haven't, you know. But I've been around long enough to we've had years where we didn't have snow. And then we have. So it's just, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. And so- f- fingers crossed that we'll... Right. And it is still out there through the month of February. We want to yes. throw that out there if we get enough snow. Right. Uh, then and, and we always uh, put that on our Facebook page. So I know it was kind of like, well, I mean, if it's in any, any type of snow weather, I'm on top of it and watching it all the time. We will put that out there to say, no, we don't have enough. Yes, we're good to let you know that. Okay. Because you might go, well, there's snow in my yard. Yes. But again, we need a good base. Mm-hmm. So I think at least four to six inches at least for that first snow to hit. So we get we get a little ways to go, and okay. fifty degrees is not going to help that. Yeah. But what is uh, aside we're, we're from gonna, that? Yes. What else is going on in the uh, month of February while we're on the subject here? So, so for something indoors, um, for those of you that don't want to be out in this doom and gloom, <laughs> as some might call it, yeah, um, we're having our annual puppet show, and that's going to be taking place here in February. And we've got a couple of days that we do some public time. So this kind of takes place of our discovery stories, our story time that we do. Of course, this is at Oakwood's. Uh, Nature Preserve and the Discovery Center. We have our Monday, uh, February 5th, so our 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock time. So normally we do our our normal story times on Mondays. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're going to run it all week. So if your child is at a local kindergarten or preschool, daycare kind of thing, we are hosting some of those all week long. Um, And then on the following Sunday, so February 11th, we're going to have it open to the public again at 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock. So this year's theme is called In the Meadow. And so if you've never been, I mean, it is full-on production. We have a big stage. We have mics. We get in costume. They're singing. They're dancing. We use all of our puppets. Kids come and play with our <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Um, and so it's talking about that and some of the animals that live in the meadow. There's always a little, I think it's all about food chains and different things. So mm-hmm. 
it's it's recommended for kids ages three and up. But if you've got school age kids, I drug my kids way past the time they should have been there. It's like, <laughs> do we have to? You know, it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. Um, there's no registration, no cost. So again, on Monday the fifth at ten and one, and then Sunday the eleventh at one and three. And okay. for yes, I know that's Super Bowl Sunday. Plenty of time if yes. if your team is out there. Mine, unfortunately, is not. More class <laughs> this weekend. Um, go Lions! But no. Uh, so yeah, there's plenty of time if 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 you're uh, going to parties and stuff. We'll be wrapped up. So okay. love to see you come out and and Let's you don't have to sing. In, we'll do the singing and dancing if you want to participate. Great. <laughs> but, but bring the kids. Bring the grandkids. It's it's a fun time. All right. Uh, anything else to highlight for the uh, month of February? So, again, um, things, if you want to be outside, we are offering some different hikes, and one of them is a winter bird hike taking place on Saturday, February 17th. Um, also taking place at Oakwoods, just meet uh, there at the Discovery Center. Okay. So this is for our adults, ages 16 and up, meeting at 9 o'clock. And then, because um, there's still winter bird, I mean, there's activity going on. Mm-hmm. We still have winter visitors, like chickadees, cardinals, nuthatches, woodpeckers. Um, and then... I think we've talked about this before, but there are some birds that come here for the winter. Like a lot of ours go south, mm-hmm. but for us, we're south. Yeah. For some birds, like like the dark-eyed junco. So it's it's we only see them this time of year. Yeah. Um. And so if you've got binoculars, bring them along. If not, we have some provided for you. Again, no registration. Just show up. Um. Again, dress for trails and weather. Um. But yeah, you should you should still see some birds and some activity even even in the wintertime. Nature is a beautiful thing. It is. Yes. Um wanna mention that all of the February events and March. In March yes, we've got March out there uh, now. Again, HancockParks.com. Okay. April and May will be going out uh mid February and okay. then summer camps. The people we usually get them out and so that is still mid-month i think the week of the 20th is my deadline so we're working on those now february 20th, 20th. this yes. month okay yes. so this, this month. coming month we get them out usually okay. with our spring programming and 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 people will know i mean they will fill up quickly. they will fill up we will fill up some of these especially our adventure day camps those are the one days nine to three for ages six to twelve mm-hmm. like i think we filled some in april last year i feel like they just fill earlier and earlier so we only take 20 kids for those um but we have them for all ages we've got i think it's three to teens this year we're doing some overnight camping this summer oh okay so all that information again on the website just a little past mid-month will be there for for registration so definitely want to Take a take a look at that, yeah, and then don't that. delay. You talk to somebody who tried to get in on things in like May or June, mm-hmm. and then they know yeah. for the next year to to look early. Yeah. We just so, we just fill them fast sometimes. Definitely set a reminder on your calendar for uh, middle to latter part of February yes. to uh, check that out when you're starting to think about uh, summer break already. I know <laughs> it will be here. It's crazy. Before we know it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, next next month we'll be talking about March. All, and... the more, all the more reason that you need to enjoy the wintry weather while you have it. Snow, snow's coming. This. We're going to get a little bit of flurries here later this morning. So enjoy I, the weather while you enjoy have it. Enjoy it, yes. It'll be, it'll be gone. <laughs> we'll it'll be, be waxing steamy. nostalgic about the uh, wintertime. Some of us <laughs> Again, Michelle Roomslog is here from the uh, Hancock Park District. More details on all of the uh, February activities and beyond on the website and on the Facebook page. Yes, yes, HancockParks.com.
Very good. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. So check us out online. Coming up tomorrow morning on the program, what's old is definitely what's new in 2024. Look ahead to a year of change at the Hancock Historical Museum. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.